0: Hi everyone. This is Pete Winarski, and you have made it once again to the Institute of Success and Goal Achievement. And I am excited, as I am every week, to bring you a fantastic guest that we interview in the areas that will help us to accelerate the successes and the goals that we're attempting to achieve in our lives and our businesses, and really help us get up to the next level. And this week, we have Anne Backrack with us, and Anne is. Really fun person to talk to, and as you'll see in a moment. And she goes by the name Accountability Coach and has a wonderful book that she's created for the world that we'll get into a little bit, all about accountability coaching and getting into results. Because, and what is it? Results rule, right? Absolutely. Excellent. We're going to have a lot of fun on this call. We'll talk about a- accountability coaching, but also. As I do with every guest, we hear a little bit about their own personal success story just to set the context. So if you think about the results you're currently getting, whether or not you're pleased with your career, your business, you may find that you don't have all of the time that you really want to spend on your hobbies or your family. Or sometimes it's the opposite. And I've had years where the opposite was true, where things were kind of quiet on my business front, but I was really thrilled about how my home and family and my hobbies were going. So what, what Anne's going to help us as an accountability coach talk about how to get all of that working together. And I'm really thrilled. Anne, thank you so much for joining today.
1: Hey, it's my pleasure, Pete. Looking forward to it.
0: It'll be fun. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I know this for sure. You and I are going to have a blast. Okay. And good. I definitely do every single time that I'm on the call with someone like this. For the listeners, the feedback is always super, it's always positive, and so I have the sense that everyone's going to have a lot of fun listening to this. So, Ann, let me start. We're going to start with a little bit about you and your success story, and you know, why don't you just give us some context for who you are. My introduction rarely covers who a person really is because there's so many different uh, Dynamics and, and facets to who we are as people, and usually there's a little tidbit of a surprise in there that I don't know about.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: let's let's see what Ann Bakra has to say about, you know, how, who she is, and frankly, how did you end up as an accountability coach?
1: Okay. Well, interestingly enough, and you may not know this, Pete, is that I'm an ex IBMer. So oh. I was actually a systems engineer, and I really was not in the right. Place. So I really needed to be more of an entrepreneur because I kept coming up with ideas and ways and, and recommendations that just didn't fit the mold of <clears throat> corporate America. And I constantly had feedback from my managers who said, you know, you need to learn not to be quite so direct. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, how is that helping anybody? But right. So I just really needed to be um, down a different path. So I started my own business. And one of the things that I did was ended up helping uh, my husband, who is now my husband. He wasn't at the time. Um, Bill Backrack actually built his business from, it was about 250000 to $1.5 in a very short period of time. So in order to do this, I had to be extremely efficient and effective. <coughs> you know, my husband likes to say that I basically did the work of five different people from the Revenue generator for the company to creating all the marketing to interviewing people prior to his speaking or coaching programs. I was the legal department, I trained and coached people using our learning resources, etc. So I had to create really good systems and processes to really achieve the goals that I had set.
0: That so sounds easy for someone who's a systems engineer to be thinking. Like systems all along?
1: Well, the interesting thing is, I have um, a marketing business um, degree, so mm. it wasn't even related to the technical aspect um, of a systems engineer. So it's kind of the best of both worlds in a sense. So, you know, all the resources and learning, to- learning tools that are available today on my website right. are really tools that I personally used um, to help me be effective. And hopefully, I still am effective. (laughs) I'm sure you are. (laughs) So, you know, these tools and resources now help the people that I coach and those who want to be even more successful. Um, You know, they may not want a one-on-one coach with me, but there's tools out there that will help them do that. And they're road tested. So uh, I'm a believer in what gets tracked gets measured. So knowing where you are against your goal at any given moment in time is very important to goal achievement.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And what's interesting is in the corporate world, I have some systems that I work with and help companies achieve their strategy and their strategic goals. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, too often, businesses identify what they want to be in the form of a strategy and then ends up in a, in a binder on a shelf. And then it comes out, you know, approximately 10 months later when they start the strategic planning process again. Mm-hmm. And all of that time in between, you know, they're not tracking, they're not measuring the, the actions required to make the results that they're looking for don't always happen because they're not really doing anything that differently.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's why, you know, I created basically, you know, spreadsheets and tracking mechanisms that you work on every single day and you know where you are against your yearly goal at any given moment in time. And I think that's where a lot of, at least the coaching programs that I've um, talked to other people about that they're in, um, they do some goal setting and tracking, but it's mainly daily or weekly. They don't have the whole big picture, so they don't compare it ever against where they really want to be for the whole year. So, you know, at the end of the year, what happens? Most people go, oh, shoot, I'm not on track (laughs) to achieve my goals. Um, What do I do now? Well, usually it's too late, you know, to be able to make course corrections. But with the tracking mechanisms that I've created, I mean, you can course correct at any given moment in time because you know where you stand. That's perfect. Yeah. Well,
0: I know we're going to get into that in a lot of detail in the second half of the call, but I'm thrilled to know that you had that background to lead you here. And it's always interesting hearing how someone's meandering path landed them in doing some really cool work very effectively um, and and getting into what, new levels of success are for them. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I'm always interested in the answer to your personal definition of success. And I ask this to every guest, and I get just the most diverse anywhere on the spectrum in terms of answers that come back.
1: <laughs> well, I don't so I'm know interested
0: that. in <laughs> yours. Let's hear, let's hear how yours fits in.
1: Well, I don't know if mine's going to be that diverse for you, but, you know, the bottom line is um, success for me is really continuing to believe that what I do makes a positive difference in people's lives, so that by spending time with me, they can improve their quality of life and bring more balance to their life, mm-hmm. so then they go out and touch other people's lives, so it's kind of like a ripple effect if I can make an impact- have an impact on somebody's life, you know hopefully they can you know, actually take that and have an impact on other people's lives as well. And that's what there's, really success is for me.
0: That's cool. There's a pay it forward aspect to it.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Well, I'm not really that, that surprised because what's interesting is there's, in all of these diverse definitions, there's always some patterns. And one of the patterns is that at this stage of the game, when the people that I'm talking to on this show every week, what they're describing is very similar to yours in that their focus has really come to be less about them and more about other people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So In your case, you want to make a difference for other people so that they can continue on and carry that forward to make a difference for other people, etc. I'm going to guess that early on in your career did you have a different definition of success?
1: No, I, I actually, even when I do, did things a in the beginning that were, you know, scary or uncomfortable, I felt like if people didn't respond positively or say yes to work with me, that it was my fault. I didn't mm. communicate properly the benefits to them. Got it. Because I really felt that they could be better or have, you know, it would have an impact on their life. So I kind of always looked at it, it was my fault. I wasn't being a good communicator to communicate the benefits to them.
0: Well, that's an empowering place to be because that's taking 100% responsibility for who you are and what your results are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, very good. So what about, and some core values and beliefs that guide you?
1: <laughs> well, to get it, I guess, down to you know, the wire, I really want to believe that what I do to me fulfills God's purpose for me in life. So by making a difference and impacting people's lives in a positive way is really important to me, and hopefully by that I will be fulfilling God's purpose for me here on on earth.
0: Very good. So everything falls from there. Yeah. Now when we talk about values, are there any things that have come up, maybe situationally? Sometimes we're not always 100% clear of some of the values that we have. Until we're in a situation where they are challenged, that this is where you hear things like trust, honesty, integrity as words. Mm -hmm. But do you have, you know, that second tier? So I'm going to just push you a little bit. You know, beyond fulfilling God's purpose for you in life and making sure that you're on that track, what are some of the other core values that have come to manifest in some way throughout your life? Mm-hmm. that clearly these are the things that you will not compromise on?
1: Well, I really um, believe that, that I, I have lived my life with no regrets. And I feel sorry when people say to me, oh, I regretted this, or I wish I would have done that. Or, you know, they look back on their life with a regret. And mm-hmm. I really have tried to make all my decisions, actually I have made all my decisions um, based on living life with no regrets. So if I have a, a decision to make that's, you know, very important, I just ask myself will I regret this? And as long as I say no, I'm good. And I think also one aspect is um telling the truth. That's when my my IBM managers used to tell me to not be quite so direct. You know, I I think the truth is easy is, is isn't always easy to hear and it certainly isn't always easy to say. But the truth typically, I think, is better for everybody. That's a good one. Yeah. So those are, I guess, two of the things that I, you know, try to not, you know, be movable from my life, for me going forward.
0: Right. There's a lot of power in that. And, you know, I think the idea of living with no regrets is part attitude and I share that attitude, and I've often thought about the different junctures in my life and, and, you know, looking back and really feeling with 100% confidence and comfort that, you know, there are no regrets here. And what's interesting is, you know, there are, there are those things that have happened to me in my life that an outsider's perspective would say, well, wait a minute, wouldn't you regret that or that or that? You know, I, you know, I'm divorced, I had an ex-wife. Gee, don't you regret that? Well, the reality is who I am as a person is the sum effect of all of my experiences. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that because I have this attitude of, no, I don't regret it, it was something that for whatever reason I needed to go through, and I I am who I am because of my experiences and there was some good that came out of it. That's the attitude side. What you've added for me, Anne, which I think is... A really interesting question is when faced with a decision, just simply asking, "Will I regret this?" And I I think that's pretty powerful because I wonder if maybe subconsciously I've done that in the past. But um, you know, it's a really powerful as you're standing at a junction, you have choice A or choice B. You know, will I regret going down a particular path is. It's an interesting angle that I'm, I'm going to think about some more as I go forward.
1: Yeah, it it's basically comes down to the, how the choices and what the choices are that we make impact our lives. Mm-hmm. And the saddest thing to me is when people say they regret something because they, they're going to regret it for the rest of their life. Right. And that is sad, for, I think, for a lot of people because there were some big decisions that they think, how would this have turned out had I made this choice? Mm-hmm. you know, differently.
0: And then they get stuck.
1: Yeah. And they and they sometimes make the same mistakes over and over. And then they next time they, they do it again because they're afraid, you know. But you just have to, the choices that we make do impact our lives and you have to go into it with your eyes open and just ask yourself, am I going to regret this? Right. And if the answer is no, you move on. If the answer is yes, then you need to figure out how you're not going to regret it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: which is all part of the puzzle, isn't it? It
1: is. It is.
0: And one more question about you, and then we'll shift over. Can you tell us about any big goals that you have that are driving you right now?
1: Well, the way I look at it is I'd I'd like to have a viral business that generates a million dollars a year. And this, if I generate this, or when I generate this amount of money, that means that I'm having an impact on people's lives. So the more money I make, the more impact I'm having on making a difference for people, personally and professionally. So that's my one big goal.
0: That's a great goal. And and let me talk about,
1: Really isn't about the money. The money, you're right, is just a way to measure the impact that you have. Right. And then the money allows you to do things like you know give to charities or do other things that are meaningful in the world. So you get double whammy.
0: <laughs> well, you do. You know,
1: you impact people's lives by you know having them uh, apply what you're teaching, and then when you make more money, you can apply it in a different area that's needed. So it's almost like a double a double benefit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard a few times um, from various people. Um, I think Mark Victor Hansen was one, and I, I'm sure um, there's a number of others. That you, you know, to have all of the right values and motivations and purposes to do good in the world is is great in and of itself. However, it's limited to what you can do with your own pair of hands. Until you actually have a fair amount of of money and capital saved up, then you can begin to leverage and and touch. at all. You know, don't let that be the driver.
1: I, it, that's what makes me feel good, is making a difference.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's talk about how you can make
1: Probability coaching, in a nutshell, Pete, is helping people to focus on their highest payoff activities that put them in the highest probability position to achieve all of their goals within the time frame that they've set. So when you're accountable to someone, it increases the probability that you will actually do what you need to do in order to achieve your goals. And the obvious benefit is them achieving all their goals so they can truly enjoy what's important to them in life.
0: So that's interesting. So my big long to-do list, you're saying that some of the items on that list may not actually be important in my priorities?
1: <laughs> I think you already know the answer to that I one. I do know
0: the answer. <laughs> I tell you, you know, I, I, I'm going to share some of my dirty laundry. I'll create this big giant to-do list, and I know there's three days' worth of work on there. And I also know that you know, these three are the critical ones, and then these other you know, ten or twelve or fifteen, you know, are important and have to get done at some point. Um, back to your point about getting systems in place and whatnot. You know, it's so easy to get mired in when you don't have systems in place to make sure that those most important three get done. And I have had those days, Anne, where it's you know the kids have gone to bed, and I'm like. Oops, I didn't finish number one and number two on my list. Because it was easy to get sucked into, you know, firing off the emails, making the phone calls, whatever it might have been, for items, you know, 10 through 15, <laughs> which weren't really that important, but, or at least from a priority standpoint, going to make, make a, a core difference. And, um, then it's, oops, you know, then I'm, I'm getting them done, but I'm also, you know, up till midnight doing it.
1: Yeah, you bring up a really, really good point because I end up coaching a lot of people on this because they don't get this as well as you do. They have their list and they are doing the 13, the 14, the 15 because why? It's easier. They think mm. they can get it done in five minutes, for in ten minutes, versus the one, two, and three that might take longer. But when you take time away from the important ones, that the ones that really have an impact on you achieving your goals first and foremost... Then that I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, it takes that time away. By, even though it's easy and quick and you can do it, now you're down to, okay, it took me a half an hour, an hour away from the things that really impacted my goals more directly.
0: Right. There, there are a lot of occasions where I have that pit in my stomach knowing that there's something important that really is going to make a difference that has to get done, and I haven't done it and I'm putting it off, you know, sometimes I'm putting it off because, you know, life is happening around me and I'm not creating the space for it. When I finally, a week later or two weeks later, sit down and do it, it takes me less than an hour. It's like, boy, that was easy. Exactly. <laughs> and it could have been done on day one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what you just said? Are you familiar with Brian Tracy's book called Eat That Frog?
1: Oh yeah, I have a frog <laughs> on my desk, as a matter of fact. As a oh, do result, you really? As a result of that book, yes, I do.
0: Now I'm curious, have you nibbled on that frog in your desk?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mine's a green little glass frog that reminds me every day. You know, you got to eat that frog.
0: That's brilliant. And it, you know, for those of you who haven't heard the phrase or read the book, it's basically to identify that most important, which happens to sometimes also be the most difficult thing that you have on your plate, and that's your frog, and eat the frog first.
1: And it doesn't even have to be that the most difficult. It's just sometimes the thing we don't like to do or want to do. Right. You know, it's not always the most, like you said, it's not the difficult. It took me an hour to get this done. It really wasn't the most difficult. But for some reason, we didn't want to do it. We don't like doing it. We're not enjoying it. But yet it has the biggest impact on our outcome Mm. in the short term.
0: Right. It's very good advice. So, Anne, your book is called Excuses Don't Count. Results rule and just the title carries such an amazing message. Can you tell us why that is so important?
1: Well, the best excuses in the world, Pete, are still just excuses, Mm -hmm. and excuses are just another obstacle on our journey to achieving our goals. So, you brought up life happens, well, life does happen, and we deal with that, but. If you continually allow situations to interfere with your progress every time they occur, you'll just never get anywhere. Right. So, excuses don't really serve anyone well. Um, You know, how would having someone in your life who doesn't buy into your excuses accelerate the achievement of your goals? You know, so many times we let, you know, everybody buys into our excuse oh, that's too bad. Oh, you know. But really, it's just an excuse. My husband, Bill Backrack, says failing with an excuse, even a really good excuse, is not as good as succeeding. And I think that's a pretty good statement.
0: I like that statement.
1: And that's then, interesting. Yeah, and results do rule. I mean, you, don't, you can't go through life if you don't produce results. You know, results just rule.
0: I, I, you know, I'm picturing um, with a smile on my face, <laughs> you know, sort of the, the, the high school auditorium, and, um, you know, the football player pumping his fist in the air saying, results rule. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, what, what what matters to the high school football player is, you know, we've got to win the game this Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday, whatever day you know, um, the high school team plays. That's the result.
1: It is. We spend a lot of time getting ready to get ready. Right. And, and that's not producing a result. We're just getting ready to get ready. <laughs>
0: that gets it's you a, nowhere. It's a, a very active form of procrastination, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it is. You're right.
0: Well, so results—you know—people have their own thing that they're trying to get, and a lot of times we fall into this. This—it's um, not re- really incorrect, but we fall into this definition of, of success and results in the spectrum of money or our. Our income or our finances, or sometimes it's the career and it's the corporate ladder. Um, you know, I have, I now have a vice president title, and so therefore I'm successful. I finally achieved what what I've always wanted. Um, you know, or I have a budget of you know X millions of dollars, and so therefore I'm I'm important now, etc. And you don't really talk about results in that way. You talk about results in the context of a balanced life. Can you t- describe for us why is balance so important?
1: Well, I think so many of us go through life on a roller coaster, and you even referenced that. You know, sometimes you're, you know, people have a life that hey, they're it's they're spending a lot of time doing the things they want, but maybe their career isn't where they want, or they spend more time on their career, and so the other personal aspect of it isn't what we want. So I think that we go, we basically sacrifice uh, a lot of times one area of our life for another. And then when that area gets better, we sacrifice it for something else. So, for example, I I can't tell you how many, and I hate saying this, but how many men I've heard over the years talk about working hard to provide for their family, which is a good <coughs> thing. And then they look back, and this is where the regret comes in, and wishing they had spent more time with their family when they were growing up, you know, their, their children. So... When I work with people, we work on creating balance so they don't have to look back on their life and say that. You know, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have spent more time with my spouse. I wish I would have done this sport. I wish I would have done this activity. I wish I would have whatever it is. So creating balance is really important. Yes, you can work smarter, not harder, the old expression. So you can have more balance in your life. Most people that I work with do come to me uh, in the initial regard, saying, "Hey, I want to make more money," and mm-hmm. they find out that <laughs> that 's when they work with me it 's all about balance. We focus on eight areas of our life, and it 's all about bringing balance and we 're not sacrificing one good area to bring up another. We work on you know time management and what we can do to really effectively create balance
0: I think I just heard you say eight areas of our life
1: mm-hmm.
0: Can you quickly describe what they are
1: well, I have a um, a tool that I use that I, I didn't create myself, and it's basically called the Wheel of Life. And the eight areas that I've defined in on these because some people do it differently, of course. Um, the one area is family and friends, another area is romance or significant other. one area is money, one area is spiritual development, personal growth, another area is physical environment, an area is career or your profession. Um, one is fun and recreation, and the last one is fitness and health. I like them yeah,
0: and it 's very similar to you know, i've i've had one that had seven areas, yours has eight, and I actually, think, as I look at it, I think probably the only one that 's a little bit different that 's called out is romance, mm-hmm. specifically, which you know I, I probably had as a subset of family um or family and friends. And I'm glad you called it out, and it is important. And, you know, one of the things that my wife and I, you know, have, have done in the past, and actually it's time to get back. <laughs> I'm realizing. <laughs> but we would have on the calendar, um, we had actually scheduled the first Saturday of every month to have the babysitter come in, and we would have that, you know, be our date night, you know, very you know, structured. I mean, there's other things we do as a family all the time. But, you know, that enabled us to do, you know, just, just Pete and Marie time. Mm-hmm. And, and that is very important. And, um, you know, there's other things that, that we do as well. But it's because it's called out, you know, the, the seven that I had plus number eight romance now makes a lot of sense. And, and so I'm making a little note in the margin here of my paper. <laughs> and, and to remember that, that, that balance includes that too.
1: Yeah, it really does. I mean, I I end up having um, some of the gentlemen I work with, for example, say, my spouse loves you. And I'm like, well, your spouse doesn't really know me. Oh, no, but the more time I'm spending with my spouse, you know, they love it. So we, we come up with creative ways to have date night. Who's, like, you know, one week it's, you know, you're responsible, the next week your spouse is responsible for what you do. So you can, that way you can split the responsibility, but also do what each person wants.
0: right. Yeah, that's that's very good. Have you ever read? um, I'm going to get it wrong. uh, Twelve Pillars.
1: No, I haven't.
0: It is a book by uh, Jim Rowan Mm -hmm. and Chris Widener, and it's a super fast read. It's a wonderful read, and so you know your eight areas. He, that's in that book. There's twelve, but the relationship part came out, and um, what you just said about you working with your client. And your client coming back and saying, "My spouse loves you," and um, you know, one of the messages in this in this story twelve pillars um, to you know from the mentor to the person who's learning, you know, it was all about you know figuring out what your spouse likes to do, and then just go do that with them. Ask them, "What do you want to do?" and don't care what the answer is, and just go and enjoy each other's company. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I had I had one gentleman say to me. Obviously my definition of date night is different than my wife's. <laughs> what I thought was a date really isn't a date in her mind, so they had to work work that out first.
0: <laughs> right. But it reminds me of a friend of mine who before he was married was you know, every sporting event and every every rock concert that he could go to he would. And so he you know, when he got married he was thrilled that his wife would be going with him to these things and he. Quit Found out that she wanted to go to the ballet, <laughs> so date night is not going to the sports game.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, that's fun. A balance is important, and let, let me shift a little bit. When someone is looking at their life, and one area or the other, or any of the eight really, is not where they want it to be, and they're not getting the results that they want. What's the one most important step that they should take, if there is one?
1: Actually, I think there is. And um, it's interesting. It's an interesting question. Um, I think what people need to do is really check in with themselves to find out if what they say they want is really what they truly want. So many times uh, we say, or I hear people say, oh, I want this thing. But, And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to achieve that when, in fact, it's just a nice-to-have. And they aren't really willing. I mean, they, aren't, they don't really do the work that's required to achieve that particular goal. So they're, I think what it comes down to is they're actually okay with where they're at. Now, they may not like it and may not really want to be there, but they are not willing to do whatever it takes, or they would. That's an interesting
0: differentiation.
1: Yeah, so many times, I mean, I think the words willing and will do are just two totally different words that have a huge impact on the outcome. So your goal should, you know, inspire you, and you should really want them. You should want them badly enough to do whatever it takes to achieve it. Or just check in with yourself and say, you know what? Apparently, I don't want it bad enough, Mm. so I'm just going to have to be okay here.
0: That is interesting, and you know the first thing that comes to mind for me as an example is I've had um, the goal of learning to play the piano and the goal of learning to speak French on my radar screen for the last couple of years, and I've made little to no progress, and I think it's exactly, the reason is this, it's exactly what you described. Those are nice to have. Those are around the fringes. They're not the core of what I want to do. You know, those, now that may shift and a year from now or five years from now I may decide this is really important. I do want to play the piano, for example. And, And then I commit to it because then I am willing to actually get the lessons and practice so many hours a week and all that. But right now I am not willing to spend my available time Doing that because I have put other things in the in the sense of priority, and I know that mm-hmm. you know. So I, they're actually not on my 2009 goal list where they were on my 2008, and I didn't make any progress.
1: That's what I. That's like if you were my client, I'd have you have you know your long range personal and business goals, and we'd put a date on it, and then we always check in and say, okay, you know, are we doing anything that's going to start putting us in the path of achieving that goal? So what would be the first step? And if, hey, now's not the time, we just move the date out. So mm-hmm. You can always course correct at any given moment in time. You don't necessarily take it off your list. Right. But you just check in with yourself.
0: That's right. And, you know, I, I know that the first step would be to pick up the phone and, and call someone whose name I already have and say, I would love to have piano lessons with you. Which Are you taking on another client? and When can we start? And I, I know that this... That's the first step, and I haven't bothered to take that that first step because at this instant, with what's going on and what are my what my priorities are, and this is a conscious you know move mm-hmm. um, at at this point. That's that's where I am with it. Now you're right. I can I can say you know what I'm checking in you know every few months, six months, whatever, and things have shifted in such a way that you know now I'm ready. When I go after something I want to commit to it and, and really go. I don't want to do something halfway. And so I think maybe that's the difference with um you know what you just described, really checking in. And I think when I wrote that goal in oh seven and then in oh eight, it was a nice to have, not something that was core to who I needed to be.
1: Yeah, and you can certainly change and course correct and move it out, you know, until you decide, hey, I really don't care about this anymore and take it off, or I do care about this, and now I'm red.
0: Hmm. Well, that's great. So, Ann, let's pull out your book. Okay. And the one thing that struck me as interesting, on page 43, you talk about removing the words try and can't from your vocabulary. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Sure. It's similar to willing to and will, in a way. Um, When someone says... Um, I'll try. They really either will do it or they won't do it. So it's really a matter of try. Okay, are you, are you going to do it or not? So it's just that simple. They will or they won't. You'll either commit to achieving your goals or you won't. <clears throat> you know, sometimes the word can't comes out of our mouth way too quickly. I've even been guilty of saying... I I've heard myself say, well, I can't do that, when in fact what I was really saying was, I just don't know how. Mm-hmm. So when I realized that, well, I didn't mean I can't do it, because it can't to me implies that I physically can't do it. So I know that wasn't the issue. So it's like, I just don't know how. So right. sometimes we say I can't, when in fact it's just I don't know how. So then you have to say to yourself, Well, where do I go? or like you said, you know, seeking guidance of somebody that can help you do it or figure it out.
0: Yeah, and you know, the other thing that comes up with the word can't is sometimes there's there's choice in here, mm-hmm. yet people use the word can't when what they really mean is won't. And so to me, can't is not an empowering word. It means I'm helpless, I can't do it. I, you know, it's out of my control. When, in fact, I think what you just pointed out is, well, you can if you knew how. So that's the, you know, if you believe you can, you'll figure out a way and, and the resources will be there and, you know, together you'll you'll learn and you'll do what you have to do and next thing you know you are doing it. Mm-hmm. Versus the when someone has a choice, you know, hey, Pete, would you do the X, Y, Z for me? And sometimes the answer is, gee, I can't. When the answer really is, no, I won't, I've decided, and then so you, you might not describe it that way to the person who's re- made the request, but what you might say is, thank you for the request. I'm not, I'm not going to do that for you. Here's what I suggest you do instead. And what you've done is a very empowering thing. You decided what you would and would not do.
1: Yeah, that's great. I'm, I totally am in sync with that.
0: And of course with the question and talking about try and whether or not you're trying versus you're you're willing to versus will, and the word try comes up, you can't help but think about little Yoda. Do you remember from Star Wars?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: there is no try, only do.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's that that is the truth though. That's just the, the bottom line.
0: Yeah, it I, I think you're right. And I that that's very empowering and I'm I'm excited that we we spoke about that for a
1: few minutes. Yeah, I think I think it, it stops people. You know, it stifles them from moving forward when they use words like that.
0: When it also starts to get into the whole theme of the power of our language and our vocabulary, you know. And it's interesting when when I journal. Sometimes I'll go back and read and say, "Wow," or or even as I'm writing something, "Wow," was I about to consciously write that word down, that's not a very empowering perspective, interesting what's going on here, and it, and it gives me the opportunity to dive in a little bit deeper, you know. And, and that's with myself. But also, you've probably heard people just in regular conversation, it could be at a cocktail party, it could be when you're in line at Starbucks or something, um, and, it, and it kills me sometimes listening to the disempowering language that people use that, make it sound like man I'm a pinball machine on this thing of, called life and I'm just getting knocked from here to here to here to here uh, you know as opposed to using language that, that would say you know yep here's a challenge and I'm overcoming it and here's here's my goal my direction and here's where where I want to end up Do you run into that with uh, with your clients?
1: Oh absolutely, and I think I think I agree with you. I'm just as guilty too. I sometimes say the word "try and really whoops, you know, let me suck that back i'm <laughs> I'm just gonna do it. you know, I mean, we all hear it, or as you said, you journal it sometimes you look at the word and it's like that's not really what I meant to say. That's just the way it came out, and you have to kind of re think about okay, what am I really meaning here, and what do I really want for myself So a lot of times that does the the words are very powerful that we say and just like, you know, when I'm sure when you're working with executives, you know, you hear these words and you correct them. You know, when right. people say, hey, I'm going to try, well, are you going to do it or not? You know, it's not about try. You either are or you're not. And if somebody says, well, I can't do that, well, if you could, what would you do first? Mm-hmm. You know, so you just, you have to kind of help people reframe things and reframe their mindset and, and you're right, you, you hear people talk and you think, God, you know, how could I help them, <laughs> you, know, you know, increase the positive, you know, energy around them.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and that's interesting what you just said about the, the energy that some people bring. Um, you know, there's a, there's a big difference and, you know, we, my wife and I have been through, you know, a number of, of different professional development, personal development type things. We're part of Jack Canfield's community. Um, you know, so you, you get in an environment like that where these are some of the most empowering life forces that you can imagine and just being in the presence of, of some of these folks and then the participants and you just gel in, in, a, in an amazing way. And then you go home and you run into your neighbors or you run into your family members, frankly, and, and, um, or, or other friends of yours and and they're using language like what you just described and it's like man what's up why aren't they they're missing the mark don't they know does that for you do you experience that and and you know kind of what goes on in your mind when you are let's just call it a social setting cuz i want to take it out of the you know you working with someone we work, we'll talk about that in a second Let's just say you get together with uh, with some old friends that you haven't seen in a while, and you hear language like that. What goes on inside your mind?
1: Um, Well, personally, I actually feel sorry for them, Mm -hmm. and because I think they're dealing with issues they may not understand, and I don't think they realize necessarily the impact it has on their life and the people around them. So many times, uh, most of the people I work with, you know, are business owners and entrepreneurs. So if if they have other business associates, a lot of times, like you said, family, friends, and business associates hold us back. Because, you know, we come back from these events or we come back from people who are motivated and positive and inspiring and, you know, gets us going and, we, we you know, the outcome that we can see in the future is so cool and it's, you know, pulling us and we gravitate towards it. And then we come back home and you know talk with family or friends or business associates and they hold us back just the terminology and the way I don't think they necessarily mean to it's just right. it's just the it's just the way they are it's just the mm-hmm. way it is and I you know I don't I don't really know that there's anything that we can significantly do to impact that other than to say hey you know this is kind of where I'm going and keep you know our head on straight and keep you know our positive energy flowing and not let because people do suck some of that positive energy out of us right um, it's just like right now you know with the economy i think there's a lot of uh, low self-esteem low confidence low belief and i constantly am coaching my people come in every day with extra you have to have extra confidence extra belief you know because people are people need to take some of yours
0: that's a good point so you can end up being that positive light, the positive force that other people can essentially be attracted to, one and then actually gain some some of that downstream benefit that you described earlier. I think so. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, can can we get into some of the success stories with some of the clients that you've worked with?
1: Oh, there's so many, I'm glad to say. <laughs>
0: good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's important to say there's more than one right
1: well, and the interesting thing is um a perspective on this when when my clients say, "Oh it's because of you, and I you know I appreciate this and um you know if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be successful, blah blah blah, I don't really think it's about me it It really is about them actually implementing and executing whatever the game plan is. Mm-hmm. So the success stories really aren't, I don't look at because of me. You know, I help maybe guide them, but I didn't do the work. So the success really comes from the person who actually does the work. And I think sometimes we miss the boat on that. And right. And they should really look to themselves and say, yeah, I did all this. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll share one story um, of a lady who, um, she actually exceeded her goals on two occasions, and I love these. You know, you don't always exceed your goals, especially with me, because I try to have them set stretch goals, you know, or bigger goals than I uh, than they think they can achieve. But in two occasions, um, she actually exceeded her goals. The first one was that she wanted to hire uh, some people who would work under her, for example, and, and generate revenue for the firm, which obviously she would take a percentage of. Well, she wasn't really sure how to go about it. So she set a really low goal. We then brainstormed all the ways that she could find these people and what to do when she talked to them and how that would all work. And so she executed the plan that she created. She actually doubled her goal. Oh, wow. So then we set, obviously, you can remember, we can course correct at any given moment in time. So we set a higher goal, and she actually exceeded that. So she was shocked, obviously, and very happy. One other time, I'll talk about the same lady, she was um, asked to conduct a meeting with some potential clients. And we talked about what her goal was for the outcome of the meeting. I always believe in, okay, you know, what's the outcome you want to have? And do you visualize it? And what are you going to do to put yourself in the highest probability position to achieve that goal? So we talked about that, and I said, well, what would your ideal goal be? So you gave me what your goal was. What would your ideal goal be? Well, she told me. And then we focused on, again, what are the activities or what are the things that she would have to do, who would she have to become, and what were the things she had to do, and to visualize the outcome. When she got back from that meeting, she exceeded her ideal goal. Mm. And that's so inspiring to me um, when when those things occur. So she had more people wanting to work with her and signing up and calling her than even her ideal goal uh, suggested. So. Successful people also do things, I think, that are uncomfortable and maybe even scary. So uh, when they do, they realize that it wasn't really that bad after all. So right. for some reason, I, have, um, I work with people that are afraid to ask for referrals, not all of them, but, but a lot of them. Um, and I'm not sure why that is, but asking for referrals is scary. So I worked with one gentleman on asking for referrals from everybody that he knew. And he was afraid and nervous, but, you know, he sucked it up and put his big boy pants on. (laughs) And he went out and started asking. He, He executed his plan. And he received very positive responses and lots of referrals to potentially ideal clients. And he did come back and he said, God, I don't know why I was so afraid to do that. And the nice thing is, is when we do things that are uncomfortable and scary, and we realized that it really wasn't that bad. The next time something comes up that might be a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit scary that we're not sure of, we're more apt to do it, you know, a lot more easier, easily, because we realized that, hey, the last time I did that, I really was afraid or scared for no particular reason, and the outcome was good. Right. So then we go into it thinking, okay, if I had a good outcome on that that I was scared or afraid to do, then This this should have the same effect. I I should be able to do this and have a positive result.
0: And and it's funny. Most of the time, we are fearing something um, that isn't isn't real. It's not like our life is in danger. (laughs) We're not. You know, we didn't fall into the um, the lions den at the zoo. Right. (laughs) You know, it's it's completely made up in our minds.
1: It totally is. Absolutely. I yeah, said, so what are you afraid of? I don't know. You know, it's just it's for no, you know, logical reason.
0: <laughs> right. So you're, let me just touch on a couple things from what you described. Okay. So you, you have your clients with this super stretch goal, you know, maybe a little bit out of reach, maybe a lot out of reach, but certainly beyond what they already know how to do. Mm-hmm. You have them create a plan, and then they just work and execute the plan. And then magically, she doubled her goal. Mm-hmm. Sounds easy.
1: Well, it, it's it's, there, it's them executing the plan. Now, I don't think anything is easy but because you have to stay focused and you, know, you have to do the work. You can't just be willing to do the work. You actually have right. to execute the plan and do the work. But it's, it, it really is. It's, it's simple. I mean, I, I did this exercise with another lady about referrals. And I said, you already have this many ideal clients. And let's do a math exercise. You know, how many people do you think each one of these people knows knows that could refer, you know, you business? Oh, I think it's this many. Okay, well, let's cut that in half. You know, if you think it's five, let's say it's two. You know, let's go with the worst case scenario. And I mean, I I tripled the number she wrote down. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you see how easy this could be for you? And it's just kind of like, oh, my gosh, I never looked at it that way. Right. So it's just changing, you know, a paradigm, you know, changing the way we think of things. It's it's just looking outside the box or all those, you know, <laughs> phrases. But that's all you're really doing.
0: Well, I, I think and part of the reason why I, I, I asked the question as I did, wow, isn't it isn't that you know, sound so easy is because on the surface, you know, the, the formula or the steps, you know, are um, relatively relatively um, straightforward. You set your goal, mm-hmm. you describe the steps you're gonna take. You take the steps and then if you did everything right, you should make your goal or, or better. And it's all of the other stuff around that, that you know, what what's coming up from our internal programming that, that knocks us off track or you know the fear that you pointed out about not having the outcome that you want because you're afraid to take the step. You know, I, I've been there. I think we've all been there at different points. And you know, to to have someone from an accountability standpoint making sure that you're on track is a really good way to prevent someone from knowing what to do but bailing out.
1: Yeah, it's too easy to give an excuse to ourselves.
0: <laughs> Very easy. I'm raising my hand in guilt.
1: <laughs> well, we all are. We all do that. I don't, I don't think any of us are perfect for, by any stretch of the imagination.
0: But I, I love that. And the other the other same person, the other example that you gave with the outcome that they wanted for the meeting, you know, there. Was, this is really something that's powerfully insightful that I went through just this past, um, even I think it was earlier this year, but, um, but the, the idea of... Having an intention moment to moment, and you know, I can say the times that I've actually invested the 30 seconds of mental time to be really clear about the intention that I wanted to create. For example, when going to a meeting, or for example, when when um, you know, frankly, even for your day, um, you know, to to have clarity and say, "Here's what my intention is." my goodness, (laughs) that's how it works out. You know, the the power of holding an intention. And we even had, um, you know, an event and and during break time, the exercise, the request was, hey, you've got a 20-minute break. Rather than just go on your 20-minute break, what is your intention for that break? doesn't matter what it is, just set one. Mm -hmm. And the point was, even during our break time, we can end up with with clarity, you know, and of course, everybody, you know, during their break time is is you know, grabbing a cell phone, trying to call someone, um, you know, trying to you know, maybe catch, uh, you know, run and grab a coffee and get back within twenty minutes or whatever, whatever it might be. And oftentimes, you know, back to my pinball analogy that we said, you know, we we may leave the room and you know, go outside and hit the bathroom and you know grab a drink of water and. You know, gee, we got six more minutes. And so, hey, how are you today, Ann? Good to see you again. What's new with you? And next thing you know, 20 minutes is up. And here we are right back where we were, as opposed to having an intention, which doesn't really have to be that much of a stretch accomplishment, just to be purposeful with how we're using our time.
1: I think that's a great way to look at it. I always tell people, you know, what's, what's the ultimate objective or goal? But I love the word intention. You know, what? what's the intention and what's the purpose? And and I think so many times, at least the people that I talk to, I'm just going to do this. Well, what's the reason? What's the goal? What's Uh the outcome? You know, and then what are you going to do to get that outcome? And I don't think many people actually think that way. Right. And it's not that difficult. Like you said, it's not that hard to do. It doesn't take that much time. But what would be the outcome... If you did think that way, you know, would you get your hit your outcome? Would you hit your purpose? Would you, you know, get what you set out to do more? If you spent that extra thirty seconds or a minute or whatever it is to create, mm-hmm. that?
0: right, right, that's powerful, and it's being deliberate about it.
1: Absolutely, I, I yeah, I like those words. I might steal those later. <laughs> you
0: can. I stole them. You can steal them.
1: Okay.
0: I'll tell you. I, I actually, if, are you familiar with um, the Abraham Hicks works? No, I'm not. Um, the uh, the Abraham, there's an Abraham Hicks book called "The Power of Deliberate Intent" or "Deliberate Intention." I think "Deliberate Intent," mm-hmm. and um, you know it's very law of attraction um, based. And the idea of you know, being really conscious and deliberate about what it is that we want to create, and making those choices, and 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 holding those intentions deliberately is is what helps to accelerate them really coming to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautifully said. I like it.
0: So yes, I've stolen it as well. <laughs> but it's valid and I believe in it and I think it's true and I think we we each could come up with you know, tons of examples um, you know, from our lives and the lives of our clients where when they did that, they were pleasantly surprised at the results they got. Absolutely. So cool. yeah so, and we're closing in on the end of our time. If there's any one bit of advice or, or topic that you want to make sure we spoke about that we haven't brought into the conversation yet, what is it?
1: Um, I think that my advice for for the listeners would just be: belief is my favorite word. And I think that if we go through life believing in ourselves and believing w- you know what we do, and have the confidence. That I think things just work out, I think you know we have to i believe is just you know for the last i don't know five years it's just everything to me comes down to belief. What do you believe in? Do you believe in yourself? do you believe in what you're doing? Do you believe in how you're doing it? Do you believe in how you deliver it? and I think belief is is just a very it's a big word <laughs> that can have a big impact on our lives right. And uh the one of, one of my new favorite quotes these days is from Daniel Webster, there's always room at the top. So I say let's all join together and see each other at the top.
0: Very good. Well I'll see you at the top.
1: <laughs> uh, you're probably already there, Pete. I have to catch up.
0: I don't know about that. It's funny. <laughs> you know, I, I I sit here in my office doing all of these fun, fantastic interviews with the most amazing people and I I just feel blessed. I'm really psyched that I have the opportunity to talk to you today. I'm really psyched that I have the opportunity to talk to some other really cool new person. Um, Some people I've known personally and have had the opportunity to meet, but others that I have not. And you know, I every I'm taking notes like crazy. I took tons of notes today while we were talking. I don't know if you could hear me scribbling, you know, on my paper, but it is. you know, I think it's part of my, my attitude of, of you know, self improvement and, and wanting to to get better. You know, with with a sense of purpose that I have, and you know, I will always have that next stretch goal. So I don't I'll, I don't feel like I'm there wherever there is. Um, but you and I will will kind of hang out at the top together. How's that? I love yeah. it. <laughs> so, Anne, how about how people can find you? Um, your website. Uh, If they wanted to contact you, if they wanted to get your book, how would we do that?
1: Yeah, I have uh, a lot of free resources and assessments actually on my website too that that they can take full advantage of. And my website is www.accountabilitycoach.com. So it's accountabilitycoach.com. And there's at least uh, 11 free resources and assessments that they can take advantage of. They can also go to my blog, uh, and sign up for that. I try to blog two or three times a week with things that are of value with personal and professional development types of things. And that's accountabilitycoachblog.com. Uh, they can also download from iTunes. I have free podcasts uh, um, on iTunes that they can download. If they just uh, search for Accountability Coach or Ann Backrack. they should be able to you know, just sign up for those. And I put a podcast up a week. And I uh, have a free monthly e-newsletter that talks about anything new that's going on and an article that's of value to people. It's just short, sweet, and simple. So that's how they can find me. Oh, my email is anne, A-N-N-E, at accountabilitycoach.com.
0: Fantastic. You do have a lot of great resources, and I'm, I'm glad you shared them with the community here.
1: Well, Yes, yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> it was great. I had a great time. It's like I'm sad that we're ending <laughs>
0: We can go another hour, another time. How's that?
1: That sounds good.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening in. And, Anne, thank you very much for joining today. I'm, I'm really glad you were here. And I learned a lot.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me, Pete. And I hope that the listeners got value today.
0: Fantastic.